Thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. To download the resource I created with Soberlink, Divorce and Addiction, A Guide to Move Forward, visit www.soberlink.com backslash Susan. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. There really is no do-over when it comes to the division of assets. I mean, unless there's fraud, people are making life-altering decisions um, that are going to impact them for the rest of their lives. So it's important that you have a uh, financial advisor on your divorce team who's familiar with not only the local laws for their state, but actually the tax implications and what this will mean to you going forward so that you you can understand how to get on the path to financial security as you're making these decisions throughout the divorce. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today we're going to dive into the world of complex asset division in divorce. I know, drum roll please, I know you're all excited for this topic, but I have to tell you, it's one that I've been wanting to do for a while. We've talked about, you know, what to do about the house. We've talked about um, alimony. We talked about support. We've talked about a lot of the issues in divorce when it comes to finance, but we haven't gotten into the nitty gritty of when you have complex issues. So I've brought along a wonderful friend to help you all. She's another one. I know you guys are getting a lot of my Chicago cohort here. This is another one of my Chicago friends. Her name is Nicole Romito. She is a certified financial planner and CDFA. You know, I love me some CDFAs. And she's going to help us like dive into the, the more 
difficult and complex issues that you might run into as you are talking about asset division in divorce. So she also, I just want to make sure you all realize she does not work just, although she's here in Chicago, she works nationwide. Um, so a lot of what she will talk about may apply to your situation, but you should always reach out for um, local advice or specific advice to your situation, as we always tell you. But thank you so much, Nicole, for coming in and diving into this complex topic with me. Thanks for having me, Susan. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, well, most people don't say that when I'm going to go in and start talking about taxes and retirement accounts and all that. But you and I know just how important these issues are. And this is these issues are where mistakes get made a lot of times in divorces, right? And once they're made, very often they can be hard or impossible to unravel. So for everyone out there listening, I want you to listen carefully because these are the tips that you really need to know, right? Yes, I agree. I mean, there really is no do-over when it comes comes to the division of assets. I mean, unless there's fraud, people are making life-altering decisions um, that are going to impact them for the rest of their lives. So it's important that you have a uh, financial advisor on your divorce team who's familiar with not only the local laws for their state, but actually the tax implications and what this will mean to you going forward so that you can understand um, how to get on the path to financial security as you're making these decisions throughout the divorce. Yeah, such a good point there. And I want to emphasize it. It is important to have a financial advisor on your divorce team. And I'm going to say this underlined as soon as possible, like as at the beginning of the divorce process, because the earlier you have someone, Nicole, I think the the more help you can be, right? I, I absolutely agree, Susan. Um, I mean, just first of all, understanding what your current financial situation is. Oftentimes, I'm so surprised that uh, people are already talking about settlement options or I, I want to stay in the house or my number one goal is to stay in the house and he or she's going to keep the pension or all the retirement plans. And that's fine because that works for me, but not understanding um, what, you, you know, putting all the pieces of your financial puzzle together to understand what that means for you and your family going forward. Um, you know, whether it's I've had a couple cases I'm on now and, you know, they're they're already talking settlement, but they haven't even decided on what's marital or non-marital yet. And, you know, sometimes depending on the size of both of those pieces of the estate, it may not be as important, but I just don't under, you know, it's it's perplexing to me to be like, let's get the current lay of the land. And then we can start talking about how are we going to allocate it or divide it between both parties? Yeah, such a good point. And I, my listeners have heard me talk about this. If you haven't, guys, I talk about it as the pie. You got to figure out what's in your pie. And as Nicole just said, what's out of your pie, the, the non-marital assets, your pie is your marital assets, before you start slicing up and handing out pieces of that pie. And it's funny because you're right, people often start the process and they've already, at least in their minds, or even have had conversations about what they're going to do with just in, you know, assets in particular, not realizing, and you use the magic word, that it's actually really a financial puzzle. 
and everything needs to fit together. And so some of the things that we're going to talk about today are the more complex pieces of that puzzle. And when I say complex, it's because they have a lot more little ridges in them that need to fit into all those other little pieces in your puzzle. So let's dive into those and talk about some of the most common ones that people are going to run into. Um, one of the big ones, especially with the stock market and everything going up and down like a yo-yo lately, are the investment intricacies. What what do what would you say are things to be on the lookout for there? Yeah, that that's a great one. Um, and we'll we'll talk about. Let's start off with the ones that are not part of like an employer retirement plan. I know we're going to get to those uh, later in the conversation. But I these are accounts where you you know you save money. They could be in your name individually. They could be jointly titled with your spouse. Uh, oftentimes, I'll find that people have them titled to their trusts. Um, but they're all monies where you've paid income tax on the money and then you um, have decided to invest it for a long-term goal. Um, a couple of things that we've seen, and, and first you hit the nail on the head, I mean, the markets over the last two years have been extremely vol volatile, yeah. right? 2021, yes. or excuse me, 2022, time's going so fast. <laughs> Every part of the portfolio was off. So we saw extreme and significant declines in the this part of the portfolio. Um, and then this year, it's so far, knock on wood, for the most part, it's been up and to the right. So I think a couple of things, first of all, is understanding that you get your statements or you log online and you say, okay, my portfolio is worth X. But what you also need to take into account or understand is what we call embedded gains. Um, and so you could have, you know, bought something for $10,000 and now it's worth $50,000 that's great. You've made money. But however, when you go to sell that investment, whether it's because you're going to use it for something, you need to rebalance, whatever it may be, there's going to be a taxable gain on that. And so you might say, well, gosh, it's worth 50000 But in my example, if you paid ten, you have a $40,000 taxable gain, depending on where you're tax brackets are, and I know we're not going to get into that level of detail, and that is very personalized, um, although I will say I am a tax nerd, and I do enjoy it. I'm one of those nerds who enjoys More that conversation. to you. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? I know. Even like some of my colleagues are like, wow, are you sure you didn't want to be an accountant? Yeah. But you know that, so the 50000 you might have to pay gains on it, and you could, you know, maybe walk away with... 30 to 40,000, like that's your walkaway value. So I know many states don't take taxes into account, but you want to make sure you're educated on what your true walkaway value is. And oftentimes, Susan, I know you and I have seen it. If you have the spouse who was not engaged with the finances, they may not know this. And so they could end up on their side of the marital balance sheet that they're walking away with all these large embedded capital gains and right. they don't realize it till after the fact when they're going to sell it. Yeah. So that's a big one I see. That's a big one just to be aware of. 
Yeah. And, and that is, you know, something that I've seen over and over again. Um, another situation that I've seen a lot of, and I imagine that you run into all the time, I call it the apples and oranges. People think that all investment accounts are equal. Yes. And so, hey, I'll keep the Fidelity account and you take the Charles Schwab account. And that can be a big mistake. Absolutely. One of the kind of the monikers we use for in our industry is having the three-legged stool. So to your point, there's the after-tax accounts, or some people call those the personal or brokerage. Those are the ones titled to your name, your revocable trust, or jointly. Then you could have a pre-tax account where you've legally never paid any income taxes on the money you put in or any earnings. Not yet. You've not not yet. paid them yet. Yeah. Yep. Tax deferred. You're exactly right. <laughs> and then you have the um, after tax, or a lot of people know it as the Roth, right? So you pay taxes on your contributions, and then they grow tax deferred. And assuming you follow the rules when you take that money out, that comes out then income tax free. And so you're right. On paper, each of those could each be worth $500,000. And it's accurate. That's what they're all worth, you know, fair market value. But again, depending on your situation, when do you withdraw them? What will your individual tax situation be at that point? There could be, you know, you could take a haircut of literally up to 50%. So 50 cents on the dollar of just paying taxes, if you're not aware of or just being creative and understanding as you're divvying up or allocating those accounts. And that's been one too, I think where you and I have seen, especially when if you have um one breadwinner, so someone who is the income driver for the family and Oftentimes I'm working with the spouse who their job was, you know, they're raising the family or they're not earning as much. You really want to be thoughtful about, you know, that could be a really a winning strategy where you may take some of those pre-tax accounts because going forward, you're going to file your own tax return and you might be in a much lower income tax bracket. So you can set it up to be a win-win for both people and and even though people are paying taxes, it's at a lower break, break. So you're keeping more in your pie, as you referenced. Yeah. And really, really important point there is that in working with a financial professional, a financial advisor, they can help you find places like you just described, Nicole, where it's a win-win. Right. Both parties are benefiting from the advice and the guidance and the wisdom of their financial advisor. Very often, especially in mediations, which which I do mostly um, or did, we will have a financial neutral who's there yes. to, to not represent the interests of one party over the other. They're there to give that win-win information. So I just wanted to make sure that people know that's a possibility. I agree. And that's actually how I started doing work in the divorce world as I was a financial neutral for mediations or collaborations. And I always said, I represent the financial piece of your divorce. I'm not representing either spouse, but it's to educate and just try and see if there's ways to do win-win to be able to support as many of the needs and interests or the goals that both of the both parties or both spouses of the couple are trying to achieve. And think about it, folks, it's a lot easier to come to agreements when it's a win-win agreement. 
right? Agreed. You know, when someone doesn't feel like they're losing, it really uh, makes your whole process a lot easier. So people who are worried about spending money on a financial advisor, let me tell you, you cut the cost, you save money, you save time, and you save a lot of stress and conflict because you actually are looking for those ways to do this division that works best for both of you. Yes. And I, I would just like to add, it you can help eliminate or avoid a lot of unpleasant surprises down the road. I had one client who, during the divorce, um, her husband, ex-husband now, handled all the finances, and he was selling investments that were in one of these after-tax accounts just to create some cash for them to, to when they were paying the professionals. So that was all fine. What wasn't fine is 15 months after her divorce, when we're doing her, you know, working with her CPA to do the tax return, she had an $80,000 surprise income tax bill because he had sold assets at gains. So great. They made money. It was fine what they did, but it was not addressed in the agreement and she didn't know. And that is not a fun surprise that you want to get. And that could have been something that was discoverable during the process if someone had known how to look. Yeah, exactly. And I've seen those as well. It's actually a little heartbreaking because it wasn't It is hard. And there were also things like, had we known that, potentially we could have done some tax loss selling throughout that same tax year to help reduce or offset her gain. So it potentially could have been avoidable, even if she was, you know, they discussed it and she was still going to be responsible for it. There's one uh, tale to learn from other people's mistakes, everybody. Okay, listeners, I'm just going to let you all know and admit it. After a long day at work helping people to navigate divorce, I currently like to unwind with a little bit of binge watching. And right now, Amazon's Prime Video is my channel of choice. We are watching Jury Duty at the moment. I highly recommend it. It's hilarious. And queued up right after that is the latest season of Jack Ryan. So if you want to try out Prime Video for free, I've got a 30-day trial just for you. You can go to divorcebeyond.com backslash prime video, or just find the link in the show notes. And if you have some recommendations, be sure to let me know. Stay tuned for more from top financial professional, Nicole Romito as she shares some of the big issues to be on the lookout for in a complex property divorce case. This episode can save you big bucks. 50% of our liquid net worth is tied to one company's stock. But you got to think ahead when you're no longer married to them, you don't have that inside track anymore. Do you want to have 50 or 60% of your liquid net worth tied to one company that you no longer have like the insider's view on. If you are enjoying this episode, be sure to check out last week's show featuring attorney Joy Rosenthal as we shared our top tips and insights for how you can save money on attorney's fees in your divorce. You have more control than you think, so be sure to listen. To look forward, not back. Don't focus on blame. Remember that your lawyer is not your therapist, is not your best friend. Don't talk to them about all the stuff that happened before. Just talk to them about whatever the issue is at hand. And now we return to today's show. So let's 
talk about another complex situation and one that comes up very often, especially for and is a big concern for people who are going through gray divorce or silver divorce, a later in life divorce, because retirement is yes. a big issue. And I know we, we generally are talking about pensions, 401ks, and IRAs. Those are the big three, I think, when it comes to retirement. There are others. But sure. wh- what are your, you know, what are your thoughts on that particular pool and, and asset division? Yeah, I, I think this is usually, especially for the um the demographic you mentioned, this is usually the largest asset in the marital estate. The ho- if the house is one, if they own a business, that could be one. But generally speaking, this is one of the, the bigger assets. And they can be some of the most valuable ones for reasons we've already discussed. Some of the a common pitfall I see, Susan, that I think because I'm working with the client not only during the divorce, but I help them implement their decree or marital settlement agreement, and then working with them ongoing in their next chapter is when you have these retirement accounts, in particular, those that are employer-sponsored plans that fall under a federal law that the acronym is ERISA, you need additional documentation, additional legal documents in order to be able to either sometimes access funds if you need during the divorce, certainly if the non-employee spouse is going to be retaining a portion or all of one of these accounts, you need what's called a quadro or a qualified domestic relation order. And that's, as you know, in addition to the marital settlement agreement, um, any of the other judgment papers. And I have to say, one of the things that drives me crazy is the client will be like, hey, we got, we went through our prove up. So the judge or the courts approved all our documents and how we're allocating the estate. And then I'm like, great. Have, did they also approve the quadro? Oh, well, no, 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 no. We're going to do that. That's get, That's coming down the road. And later. Yeah. Most dangerous words in a divorce right there is we'll get it done exactly. later when it comes to a quadro. Exactly. You know, a couple of reasons are, A, the neither the attorneys nor the courts have the final say on, on if this will be approved. It's the plan administrator, and it's also going to be according to the plan's document. So, and this could, we've seen them, you know, where we've had people die. And, and the, right. Or, um, yeah. if this happened and your values were, you know, based on January of 2022 values and now the quadro did not get approved or written and things like that till the end of 2022, your values could have been off by as much as 40%. Because of, yeah, because of the volatility of the market in that year. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's the one that really makes steam come out of my ears is let's get this going. You know, let's at least get someone who, who does this. You know, there are attorneys that specialize. I love that. Me too. Me too. (laughs) Because it's a very specific area of the law. And, at least in Illinois, they charge very reasonable, nominal, $750 flat rate. Get someone who does that. They know the plan administrators. They're going to know how to draft it. They're going to know what questions or pitfalls and make sure that are addressed so that each um, each spouse is getting the intent of the agreement is able to be implemented. Yeah. You know, in in fact, I just want to intersperse for my my listeners 
in cases where we've had complicated retirement, you know, where somebody was a C-suite executive at GE, say, right. for umpteen years, they got a golden parachute deal in the end. And so they've had very complicated retirement packages. We've actually brought a quadro attorney into the mediation to help with the mediation and the negotiation because they had that intimate knowledge of what could be done, what was po was possible. And we worked together as a team. And those were ultimately some of the best retirement divisions and finding the win-wins that I've ever worked on. They were fantastic. That, it's not surprising. It's not surprising. And I agree, especially when you're looking at the C-suite of publicly held companies, not only will they have the traditional 401k, which most people are familiar with because it's pretty common now, they could also have pieces of what's like called non-qualified retirement. And those plans could be any which way to Sunday because they're non-qualified, they're not under that ERISA law. And so the company can and does get really creative because these are great ways to further reward these top level executives with some, um, you know, again, tax preferential programs, but you really need to get those doc those packages or the documents early on. Um, you, right? You need to understand yeah. Can a non-employee, can a non-employee even be allowed to own or title, right? Oftentimes they're not. The, the company's like, we're yes. not going to reward, we're not trying to reward the the non-employee spouse. And, you know, we don't really care about them. We're trying, we want our C CEO to be focused on, right, profitability and getting the stock up. You and I know there's workarounds to that, but there's also consequences that come with that as well, because then it's going to all be taxed ongoing at that higher level tax rate. There may be things where you're now tied or tethered to your ex-husband or ex-wife for the next 10 15, even if it's only the next five years, most people want to be done. I was going to say the next five minutes can feel too exactly. long. Exactly. To and so now we're doing exchange of documents and you have to hire a neutral CPA to do true ups every year. And you're still relying on your ex-spouse to be honest with you about when are distributions being made? When are these plans vesting? When are they then paying out? It's really hard. You can't really track it just through exchanging tax documents because most of these plans are going to be reported as taxable income and it all flows through their W-2. And they don't really have like an addendum to be like, this was base salary. This was cash bonus. This was right, vesting right. Of, of stock units. This was their long-term incentive plan. So you really need to get someone who understands the moving pieces and then get this additional supporting documentation to understand what occurred and make sure you're getting um, the share that that was allocated to you. And this is all, you know, information that's out there and that you can get. You need to know where to look and you need to have someone who can help you understand it. Because this is 
we're now we're really talking about complex stuff. Yes. And I, I actually want to move on because we've been talking about employee retirement plans and, and some of the benefits that people get for retirement through employment. But there are a lot of other executive compensation uh, benefits that em- higher level employees, not even always high level employees. Sometimes it's, you know, a car allowance that they get because they are a salesperson and they drive around a lot or uh, reimbursement for expenses or things like that. What are some of the top things you would want people to be aware of when it comes to executive comp? Yeah, I I would think um, just know that there's a whole alphabet soup of plans out there. Um, our industry loves our acronyms. Uh, you know, I think it just makes us feel smart and important. But I think it's just understanding that, you know, your your spouse, uh, if they're an executive, and like you said, it could even be like mid-level management or things like that, just to get um, an understanding of how they're paid. So it's not always just the salary or the bonus that you see being deposited into the checking account. Um, And a lot of it too, though, Susan, is you're going to have to either ask them for it or have your attorney ask them for it. Because really gone are the days where there's paper statements. Most employers, even smaller companies, have like an employee portal. And so it's not unusual that all of this is is in e-delivery or lives, you know, out in the out in um the uh virtual world. So you just want to make sure to ask, like, how what are the full compensation? Let's get, you know, screenshots or annual statements, the grant packages. So again, a financial advisor can work with you and your attorney to make sure that that request is being um all encompassing. So I think it's really important, though, that you do get the full documentation. Some states, you know, it's understanding how does your state treat these. Some look at, is this a reward for past performance or is this an incentive for future performance? And depending on how, you know, the precedent or the statutes in your state, that will help determine what portion is or is not in the marital pie and is outside. Right. So it's it's very different and very complicated. You want to know that. You want to know, is ownership transferable? And then just understand, too, again, how um, is the various taxation on these plans? Yeah. So, so many good points. I'm wondering, can you just list off some of the things that you've seen as executive comp that go beyond retirement? Just some things that someone might not have ever you know, even thought of or that fall into that category. There's long-term incentive plans, L-tips. L-tips yep. If, if you've ever heard your spouse say things like my L-tips. Yes, exactly. And those are very lucrative because that's incenting the executive to, you know, meet these revenue targets, profitability targets, sales targets. Um, and they can be multipliers of, you know, a hundred to two hundred percent of their base comp. So we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. There's RSUs, restricted stock units, there's um RSSs, restricted stock shares. And non-qualified stock options, ISO, incentive stock options, SARS, um, deferred comp, um, uh, ESPP, employee stock purchase plans. So I'm just throwing out that literal alphabet soup of all different uh, all different kinds of things. Um, and I think, too, one of the things I've seen, Susan, is, you know, while you're married to the executive, 
you're probably like, well, he or she has the inside pulse of what's going on in the company. So I may feel comfortable that 50% of our liquid net worth is tied to one company stock. But you got to think ahead when you're no longer married to them. You don't have that inside track anymore. And, um, you know, do you want to have 50 or 60% of your liquid net worth tied to one company that you no longer have like the insider's view on? So that's, that's a lot of the emotional part that I, I, I and other financial advisors can help clients work through. We're not saying it's a bad stock, but do you really want to hitch your wagon to the rise and fall of one company's stock? Yeah. And, and you know what? I don't think I've ever heard anyone make that point that way before. And I think that's a really good point because even if you, as part of your settlement, are receiving some of that stock, say, in some fashion as part of your settlement, that is a question to ask yourself as you go forward. It's one thing to, to have an interest in a company because you have that inside track with your spouse. They know what's going right. on and how the company's doing. But when you don't, if you don't have that kind of ongoing communication with your ex-spouse, you may want to hitch that wagon to some other companies. So that's a, or, or invest in a different way because that's part of that future, that beyond, right? right? Is now your financial future is in your hands. And that's a great point in that we've been talking about the asset division, the complex asset division. But that's another thing that you do with people is you then, as you said, help them move forward into their beyond and, and, craft maybe a new financial plan for their future. Right. And one thing I just want to add on that, when you are dealing with, you know, the C-suite executives of public companies, they have windows or blackout periods, so they can't just decide to sell or diversify out of the stock. First of all, many of them have requirements of they have to own a certain number of shares or a certain value, so they have skin in the game. And then um, also, too, they they may have to file, um, you know, forms with the SEC before they can sell. And then they only have certain windows or limited times of when they can do that. So even if you say, well, I don't want to do it. And I agree, Nicole, let's diversify. We might not be able to do that just as a flip of a switch. So that's an, another oh, yeah. thing to be aware of is there's limitations that the SEC puts on. It's not even your ex-spouse trying to stonewall you or the company. I think everyone, you can hear in what we're talking about here exactly why I said we were going to talk about complex asset division and complex issues. These are all really, you know, complicated factors that have so many different things that weigh in on them. And I'm, I hope, you know, you're hearing just how valuable it is to have someone who truly understands this. Clearly, you know, you've heard if some of you, your eyes may be crossing as Nicole's been speaking, going, I have no idea what she's even saying. Let that be a bell for yes. you going off saying you need to get someone like her. I'll tell you, that's not stuff I learned in right. law school. That is that this is information that I've learned in 30 plus years of working with people who are like Nicole, who have her level of expertise. I've been extremely lucky. And I'll tell you, I still wouldn't do a complex divorce with a complex asset fit picture without having someone like Nicole involved for the protection of my client, even though I may know some of this, because still, this is that area of expertise. So 
you know, Nicole, we could talk about this. I mean, there's the complexity right. of this. We could do a, you know, an entire podcast on this. And in fact, you do a podcast yes. and, yeah. and, and, and have this information out there. I do know that you, you offer a quick consult when it's appropriate with people to just sort of give them an idea if you might be able to help them. Um, and you have more information on your website. So can you tell us a little bit about that if people want to know more? Sure. Uh, I'm, Happy to have a, like you said, a quick consult to see if I can add value to the to these to the person and their situation. There's two ways they can get a hold of me. I think the best way would be to go through our website and there's a contact us button right on the homepage. So our website is www.myprivatevista.com, and there uh, they can do the contact us button. We have a comments box. So please just put in there that you are contacting me because you listened to Susan's uh, wonderful podcast. And then we'll be able to go ahead and schedule that. I love it. So always say I heard about you on Divorce and Beyond. (laughs) So that's wonderful. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about these things. It's, It's one of those episodes that I feel like maybe we're scaring people a little bit because the because frankly, folks, there's things to be scared of or afraid of. Knowledge is power when it comes to these complex financial issues. And even more powerful is having a team member who knows what they're doing. Um, So, you know, take the tidbits and the golden nuggets in this episode, let that raise your awareness, and then reach out to Nicole to get some real help with these issues. So again, thank you so much for joining us. I I know there's so much in this episode that people are going, I better listen to that again. I agree. And I, I think, as you said, we were, you know, obviously we have a limited amount of time and we were really just trying to highlight the complexity. But when you are, whether you're talking with me or a financial advisor, one of the things you want to look for, and when I am talking to um, clients and we have more time and it's tailored to their situation is you, I know um, I speak in plain English, so I'll explain the jargon or, you know, we'll say this, but then let's break it down in, you know, common plain English so you can understand the pros and cons because there's pros and cons with every decision certainly in the divorce process, and we know in life. So you just want to make sure all your professionals, including your attorney, can talk to you in in the language and in a way that you're able to take it in, process it, and then make an informed decision so you can move forward. You're so good. That is a great final golden nugget for my listeners because you you know when they're not all financial advisors just like not all attorneys, right. not all the, all members of your team are created equal. Find someone who can explain it to you and although, you know, it's an alphabet soup a lot of the time when it comes to financials, you want someone who's going to tell you what a Q-tip, what a quadro, yes. what or I'm sorry, L-tip, yeah. not Q-tip, <laughs> but right? Someone who's going to explain all those things to you because that's really critical and again, making informed choices, the best way to make those informed choices is to get that advice and insight that someone like Nicole can bring. So again, thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. 
I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.